You are listening to Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast, where we talk about your theological questions. BGN podcast is produced every Saturday for your enjoyment. Get more information on our website, grace-nation.com. Also, follow us on Twitter at GraceNationMin and on Facebook. Now, here is your host, President of Grace Nation Ministries, Victor. Yo, 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 guys, what's up? Welcome back to another episode of Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. I'm your host, Victor. I'm your co-host, Billy. Well, you're a co-host for one last episode. Yes, that's true. But we're Did gonna... you open the podcast saying yo, yo, yo? Yeah, I did. You've never done that before. Really? That's how I always start stuff. <laughs> really? Yeah. Like yo, yo, I've never heard Like you if say you that. ever if you guys are able to stalk me and find my old YouTube channel and my mm. old Twitch channel, that's how I start everything. You have an old YouTube channel? Yeah. I'm looking this up I blocked right it. now. So I blocked you. <laughs> really? Yeah. So that you oh. can't find it. I block all my friends <laughs> because I don't want yeah. um any of them stalking me yeah. that way. Because it's weird. Hmm. So anyone listening to the podcast, <laughs> you're not finding that channel. Sorry. So you were saying this is my last episode. This is your last episode. Yes. I got a promotion at Grace Nation. I told you it was a promotion, yeah. Yes. And thank you for that. Was it a promotion really? Not really. No, not really. <laughs> no, it was. You're going to be the head of the theology department. That's awesome. Which uh, is I'm going to be honored. debuting January 8th. Yep, January 8th. So we're super excited mm-hmm. for that. Lots of changes. Yeah. Um, and you're going to have, you have two interns. Yes. That we brought two on. Two great interns. We have like eight people on staff now. Yeah. Lots of cool stuff is happening on Grace Nation. <laughs> um, so I'm super excited uh, for everything that's happening. This is our official question and answer show. Yes. We've been waiting to do this for like yeah, a couple months now. We've been waiting. Uh, yeah. We've been, we've been kind of teasing it like mm-hmm. we might be doing this soon. We've got your questions from our Facebook channel in. Yeah. We're going to be taking the questions from the Facebook Live and uh, we are just going to be talking about some sp- some things and we're not going to spend too much time on each question each question could be a podcast Mm -hmm. in itself it really could be. yeah so we're just going to give the brief overview answer yeah we're gonna we're gonna try and spend five to seven minutes on each question maybe and then we're going to be taking questions from the facebook live audience right now yes uh what's up guys is that your mom watching she is (laughs) yeah (laughs) so isn't she right out there yeah (laughs) Um, and so, yeah, we're going to be answering the question. So I'll ask the first question. Okay. Um, and we're just going to dive right into mm-hmm. it. So the first question we have, uh, was from, uh, asked from, uh, a post that I made to Facebook. They commented and mm-hmm. asked if we are said to be made in God's image, which one of us actually is male or female as we are very different. Mm. And I'll show uh, there's the question right there for the people watching on Facebook Live. Mm-hmm. Um, so which one of us are actually made in God's image, male yeah. or female? I think this question yeah. is a little misleading. Yes. Uh, I think it's, it's designed to confuse you. It's, it's, yeah, because the answer is wrong. <laughs> or the answer is yes. Yes. Because yes, the answer is yes. The <laughs> biblical answer Didn't is... Didn't James ask that question? Yeah, yeah, he did. He posted the He did this question. on purpose. Yeah, I think. I think he, sh- yeah. he tried to screw with us, and it's not <laughs> going to work. Um, but the question, the answer to the question is yes. We're both male and female created yeah, Genesis, in God's image. Genesis 127. Yeah, so God read, created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him. Male and female, he created them. Right. So it's yeah. inclusive. Uh, male and female, he created them. And mm-hmm. he's not talking physically. Obviously, yeah. males and females have yeah. a lot different, eat physically and even like uh, consciously and emotionally. Yes. Like we function differently. Yes, we complement each other, but we are different. Right. There's that, a distinction. Right. But that doesn't yeah. mean that we're cr- that, that one of us is not created in God's image. Mm. Or that we, one of us is superior. Right. We have to remember that, that God is not a physical form yes he's We're, a spirit he doesn't have a physical right the son has a physical body but the father and, and god eternally passed did right. not have a physical form and so we have we have to understand that mm-hmm. um he's and so spirit. it would yeah. be wrong for any man to say that a woman was not mm-hmm. created in god in god's image and it'd be yeah. wrong for a woman to say that a man's not created in god's image mm-hmm. i'm sure that argument is out there somewhere yeah uh, because male was created first but genesis like it's that theology is destroyed yes. in the first chapter yeah. of the Bible. So let's really quickly, just really briefly describe what does it mean to be made in God's image? Do it. Oh, well, I was asking No, you, but... you got it. <laughs> what well, does it mean? Are we talking about soul, spirit, 
uh, are we talking about? What are we I talking think re- regardless of whether or not you take a dichotomist or a trichotomist view um, of the immaterial aspect of man, I think we can all agree that part of being made in God's image is the capacity for spirituality. Our, our spiritual being, um, our way in which that we relate to God, as opposed to the way that the rest of the creative order relates to God. We right. have a relationship with him. Um, we alone do because we are made in his image. Yeah, um, because we are image bearers. And I like, how, I like how you said that compared to the, how the rest of creation. Uh, yeah. Because because no, nothing else that God created was not made animals, not in rocks, the image not plants. of God. Nothing yeah. else that he created was very good. Mm-hmm. Um, and so when, when we look at that, they can't relate to to god mm-hmm. um the way we do mm-hmm. in terms of uh because we're made in his image yes uh and nothing else in the creative order yes and, and also has that mark in the bible project uh they did a video on this uh great bible project please watch the video subscribe um, but they also said that part of that was also um them being given the authority to rule that is included yeah. Yeah. in being made in god's image which i yeah. thought was fascinating and when you really look at it in context the verse before he, he says, let's make man in his image after our likeness, uh, the Trinity, speak, God, Yahweh, speaking um, to himself, uh, and let them have dominion over the rest of the creative order. So part of being man in God's image is intimately tied to their authority to rule. Right. No, absolutely. Yeah. And so I think that kind of sums up the first question. Yeah. Um, and that image wasn't lost to the fall. It was distorted, it was but, not distorted but not lost. It was distorted, but not lost. And it's restored in Christ. And Jesus. Yep. Yes. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Who is 100%. the image of God. Perfect, so perfectly the image yeah. of God. Again, we yes. could spend Colossians one. We can spend an, an entire episode yes. on each one of these questions, and we will. Uh, well, yeah. <laughs> um, so the next question that we have uh, is pretty interesting. I like it. Is biblical prophecy a good way to valid? I love the way I just said prophecy. 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 Is biblical prophecy a good way to validate the Bible to an unbeliever? That is unbeliever. such a good question. That is such a good it's question. A, it's a good uh, evangelical question. Yeah. Like if like if I was going Absolutely. to go evangelize to Absolutely. an unbeliever, yeah. what are some of the tools in my in my tool belt that I yeah. would use? That I'm going to steal that from Dr. Woodward because that is totally something Dr. Woodward would say. Yes. What are some of the tools in your listening. tool belt um, <laughs> Shout out to, Dr. to use? When you're evangelizing, yeah. I think prophecy, the fulfillment of prophecy, is a extremely good mm-hmm. one. And we're not talking about this dispensational prophecy in regards to current events, being fulfilled events. because Israel has their land back. We're yes. not talking about that. <laughs> That's less than dogmatic because, I mean, honestly, there's so many multiple interpretations on that. Right. Let's, let's just, just go to let's the Let's take scriptures. a step back from, yeah. uh, from this dispensational <laughs> prophetic view Yes. and look at biblical prophecy in the context of Old Testament prophecy that was fulfilled in New Christ. New Testament fulfillment. Yes. Uh, ultimately in Christ. In Christ I mean, that's what Advent. we would say. Yes. Um, and, and I would say as an unbeliever, that's what ultimately convinced me. Hmm. Like I was, I was reading through the scriptures and I had all the scientific arguments, um, all the religious arguments, but it wasn't until I took a study, a deep, uh, a deep walkthrough of the Old Testament and Old Testament prophecy, and then related that to the New Testament fulfillment that I was truly convinced that Jesus was the promised Messiah. Right. Right. Yeah, and there's there's so many prophecies that are fulfilled. He fulfilled hundreds, hundreds, and, yeah. and the statistical probability uh, there's you can find it online. Yeah. I it's, think I think the probability of him fulfilling eight prophecies alone is like one to ten to the hundred and I think like hundred and seventeenth power yeah. or something like that. Statistically impossible. Yes, and he fulfilled not just eight. He fulfilled hundreds. Yes. And the biggest one, I mean, we can look at Isaiah 52 and 53. Yeah. uh, Probably outside of the Gospels themselves, the biggest Gospel presentation in the Bible. Yes. uh, That was a prophecy Hmm. of the coming Messiah. Years, hundreds and hundreds and hundreds of years before over seven hundred yeah. Mary was even a thought before Jesus mm-hmm. was even born. Yeah, and and he fulfilled that. Yeah, we have to we have to take a look at that and just be astonished. Yeah, and if that if if that prophecy alone, just the one, uh, doesn't convince you that that Jesus is who he says he is. Mm then you have hundreds of other prophecies to yeah. reference in the Old yeah. Testament as well. And I think also Jesus, in his presentation of himself to the crowds, to the Jews, uh, to whomever he, he found himself, um, he always quoted the scriptures. He says, as the scriptures says, he said, if you want to know if my teaching is genuine, if I truly am who I said, then search the scriptures. Right. The scriptures, Jesus, this is interesting, he himself, the word of God, placed himself under the authority of the word of God. 
the Old Testament. Right. And he said that if you search these and you'll know that I am genuinely who I say I am. So I think, yes, the, the answer is yes. Biblical prophecy, grave of validate. I'm an example of someone who is saved as a result of that study. Absolutely. 100%. Yes. I don't think there Not are. dispensational. Not, yeah. yeah. <laughs> Not dispensational. 1948, turning point. <laughs> <Yes>. <laughs> yeah, no, absolutely. I think, uh, I, I definitely think that's a uh, very, an extremely good way to... To evangelize, validate, yeah, uh, and evangelize, yeah. and uh, if they ask, well, did Jesus even exist? We can, archi- just even That's with just the archaeology yes. we have, we have writings question. of Tacitus yes. and you know pagan uh, writers, yes. Uh, yes. Jewish writers, mm-hmm. to say that Jesus actually lived. So if they if they ever return and say, well, Jesus didn't even exist, it is uh, this is one of the weakest replies, yeah. and you can easily prove yeah. that the person of Jesus did exist and that he did die on a cross and that over 500 people saw him after he was raised yeah you can read that in and that the disciples completely 15. changed and the church exploded yeah so uh, there is historical documentation of those things mm-hmm. uh you can't it, you don't you can't argue it people literally yeah. have to take the facts and the truth and literally say no yeah and that's it's crazy um so yeah, I think that again we could spend an entire episode um, on that mm-hmm. outside of Isaiah fifty-two and fifty-three. If there's anyone watching who wants to know some prophecies, maybe to use in their evangelizing, can you think of any other ones possibly that uh, that they could use? Um, in, Sorry, can you repeat the question? I was looking at the comments. Sorry. Oh my gosh. <laughs> repeat the question more. Is, is there <laughs> any is there any prophecy in the Old Testament mm-hmm. that someone could use to evangelize outside of Isaiah 52 and 53. I, Give I, them some weapons. That's probably the best. Um, uh, there's Psalm 22. Psalm 22. Uh, which Jesus quotes, and it's very descriptive of his crucifixion, of his sufferings. Um, besides that, um, I'm just, just trying to walk through. There's so many in Isaiah. You, I mean, you, could, um, you could look at Isaiah 23, I believe it is. Isaiah 22 and 23 talks about uh, his birth, mm-hmm. uh, and then Isaiah 52 and 53 talk about um, his death, and so you can you can take both of those and then yeah. bring them. You can use. I mean, and uh, if you're looking at if you're looking at like uh, just thought about the Christmas season, I did I gave a sermon to my kids um, when I was when I was pastoring them. Don't um, say your kids. I'm sorry. That's, that's why I said I'm pastoring them because so many times. they're not my physical children, right? <laughs> Spiritually, right. Um, I'm just okay. kidding. Um, yeah, Spiritually, and so, they're your brother, youth pastor, and your sisters. <laughs> um, but no, I um I will shepherd them, uh, uh-huh. my little flock yeah. um of Asians and whites. Um, so. I told them, you know, Micah, Micah chapter five. Um, mm-hmm. You will be, he'll be born in Bethlehem. Uh, there's so many little examples like that. Um, uh, if you walk through Matthew, Matthew quotes uh, the Old Testament all throughout his gospel right. um, as evidence to his Jewish audience right. that Jesus is the Messiah. Which is the reason why he quotes the Old Testament so much is to appeal to his exactly. Jewish audience. There's so many in Jeremiah, uh, Isaiah so seven m- and Isaiah nine from yes. uh, Mitchell. Oh, um, thanks, Mitchell. Yeah, I went to school with him. Oh, yeah. cool, cool. Yeah, so that those are actually great ones. Uh, it, you could even because uh, Isaiah seven's right after yeah uh, the whole throne room scene with uh, Isaiah and God, um, and so yeah, there's so many examples. Like we said, we could spend an entire podcast on focusing just on yeah all the different prophecies and every that single Jesus prophet told. like major and minor they all talked about the messiah yeah every single one and that maybe not as descriptive as isaiah isaiah probably has the most i would say he probably has the most descriptive um what's the word um well just descriptions yeah of who of the messiah Jesus and is what, and what, what he's he going to do his right. ministry right um, but I mean, like Jeremiah has a ton. Jeremiah talks about Jeremiah thirty-one. You can even take parallels from, say, Hosea. You know, yeah. the parallel that's given in Hosea with Hosea and Gomer, and, yeah, and you yeah, know, Christ yeah. and the church. And you then can, there's Genesis three. You know, um, he will he will crush the head of the serpent, right? And then they will, he'll bruise his Possibly tail. Like there's this double the first, destruction. It's the first biblical recording of the gospel yes like it is yeah and, and also i'd say okay so he said isaiah 7 and isaiah 9 that's talking about you know the christmas um a virgin will conceive a son named emmanuel isaiah 7 isaiah 9 to us a, a son is born a child is given his name will be um mighty god everlasting right. father um wonderful counselor prince of peace prince of shalom uh, i will say this one thing this is fascinating and i mentioned this in class once um in genesis chapter 5 um there's 10 hebrew names from mm-hmm. adam to Noah, the genealogy right. and if you walk through those names uh, and put out, and you know write out their Hebrew meanings. It spells out a sentence that says man, um, man, mo- okay, okay, man appointed, 
Seth means appointed, mortal sorrow, the blessed God, Mahalel, shall come down, Jared, teaching, which is Enoch, his death shall bring, Methuselah, the despairing, rest, hmm. which is Noah. So if you if you just write out the first 10 names from Adam to Noah, a lot of people don't know this. Some people right. call it the hidden gospel. Yeah. Um, just the first 10 names from Adam to Noah, and then write out their meanings. That's what it says. Man appointed mortal sorrow, the blessed God shall come down, teaching his death shall bring, the despairing rest. Wow. It's beautiful. It's so, that's amazing. So yeah, those are some tools that I yeah. that you can keep in your tool belt to um to evangelize. And so we're, we we got to move quick because we're already like thirty minutes in. Really? Uh, yeah. Are you serious? Yeah. Uh, oh my gosh. So what classifies? So now we're getting more into some theological things, mm -hmm. uh, and I think this one's interesting. What classifies someone as a heretic? And then the follow up question to that. Can a heretic be saved? Those are fascinating. Really good questions. So those were asked on our Facebook page. Yeah. If you guys don't follow us on our Facebook page, please do. Yeah. Um, but yeah, what classifies someone as a heretic? Let's start with that one. Okay. What classifies someone as a heretic? And we were talking a little yeah, bit about yeah. this before the, the podcast. Make sure we were on the same page. Yeah. We have a, we have we came another to agreement. Yeah, we have another podcast episode where we talk about the the foundations, the pillars of Christianity. Yeah, the, the seven things, core beliefs. The things of that that Christians agree on wholeheartedly, which we would call orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Yes. And we came to the consensus of if you preach anything contrary, if you teach anything contrary to the orthodoxical beliefs mm -hmm. that God has given to us that are laying out in scripture. Yes then you are classified as a heretic. Yes. Would you agree? Yes, absolutely. And I think if we look throughout the uh, the New Testament, there are there are four different books in the New Testament strictly devoted to the nature of false teachers, how to find them and how to rebuke them um, and their destruction. Um, and so I would say, and usually the heresies in those days regarded um, salvation, you know, mm -hmm. like what do you, um, you know, like people were saying you have to do things in right. order to be saved. Um, so to mess with that, and then the deity of Christ was doubted in the early church. Right. Um, we see heresies um, all throughout the first few centuries regarding Christ's nature, how he was fully God and fully man, mm -hmm. uh, and people opposing that message. Uh, so yes, I would say a heretic is anyone whose teachings, who who endorse or promote any teachings that go strictly against that are that that contradict. Uh, Orthodoxy. Orthodoxy. Yeah, and we have to use so heretic, the elements of the gospel. Right. Yes. We have to be careful with this word heretic. Yes. Very we careful. throw it a we throw it around. I've jokingly been called a heretic. A yeah. Yeah. For being on We all have. Um, and so we have to understand what the definition of a heretic is. Yes. And when to use it appropriately. Yes. Just because someone has a different interpretation of right. the Bible, like just I don't call my I have a best friend. He's Arminian. And I still think he's right. saved just as much as I am. Right. We can't use our non-orthodoxical beliefs yeah. uh, and, and claim them as orthodoxy because they're not. So, you know, part of orthodoxy is that Jesus will return mm -hmm. someday. There are shoots off of that that include uh, amil, pre-mill, post-mill. Yeah. Now, I could be amil, you could be post-mill, and yeah. that's not... We're not wavering yeah. on our orthodoxy we don't because call we're each other claiming heretics. Yeah. that Jesus will return. That's yes. that's the foundation. Yes. Now, the strings that shoot off of that, that's a different question. We can disagree on that, mm -hmm. but that doesn't make one of us a heretic yeah. and the other one not. Yeah. Um, so to deny, let's say, the deity of Christ, to deny the Trinity, right. to deny his death, burial, burial resurrection, bodily resurrection, because a lot of people yeah. deny that, uh, and we don't we don't see it. Um to deny salvation by faith alone, simply right. by faith alone. Um, what else? Anything else? Or um, yeah, I mean those those things are to to, to, to the deny the elements even. of yeah. the gospel. Yeah, is is to or or to add elements to the gospel. That's also saying nice. you know like prosperity gospel, prosperity gospel, yeah. or you know saying that another person lived a sinless life mm -hmm. or another person should be worshipped in the mm -hmm. same way. Adding those things to the gospel That's can heresy. also yeah. be considered heresy. And so the follow up question to that would be thank you spencer uh it, people listening to the podcast right now we're actually doing a facebook live and uh yeah spencer just asked a question and so we're going to be answering that question here in a few minutes but okay. we're going to be answering our follow-up question now yes can a heretic be saved yeah, absolutely not why not and i would say because that the was bible, quick, that was quick <laughs> the bible um uh Paul writes in Galatians chapter 1, he says, I am astonished that you are so quickly deserting him who called you in the grace of Christ and are turning to a different gospel. Uh, and then uh, he says down verse 9, As we have said before, so I now say again, if anyone is preaching to you a gospel contrary to the one that you receive, let him be accursed. Wow. Accursed, Gehenna. 
Yeah. That's, that's eternal damnation. Yeah. And then Second Peter 2, Jude, they both talk about the destruction, uh, the coming destruction for false teachers yeah. um, who deny the gospel yeah. and who teach something so contrary. So being a heretic is something extremely weighty. Mm-hmm. And so, A, as Christians, we need to be careful when we throw that term around. Yes. Right? Like, we need to uh, test the spirits, yes. make sure that whatever... Don't just openly accuse don't someone. Don't just say that person's a heretic. Because that means they're leading Even someone to hell. Even if they are, yeah. you need to do the research behind mm-hmm. that person. Like, you can't just take someone else's word for it. If mm-hmm. I tell you that Joel Olstein is a heretic, mm-hmm. you can't go around telling other people until you have done your research on yeah. him to ensure that I'm, te- you know, like yes, we have yes, to validate and I have other. and he is. Yeah. All right. okay. <laughs> uh, so yeah, uh, I think that answers that question. We have one more question and this one... And then we'll answer the... And then we'll answer Spencer's yes. question here. And we got one up top too. The last question yeah. uh, that we have listed here before we take the audience's questions. Does God love the world or just the elect? Yes. And so for our viewers watching on Facebook Live and to the podcast listeners, we are reformed. We hold to the five points of Calvinism. Mm -hmm. Those are going to influence. Okay. Those are going to influence (laughs) our answer to this question. Yes. And the answer to that question, does God love the world or just the elect, is yes. Yes. He loves the world and also Mm -hmm. the elect. Yes. Expound on that. It's appropriate to say and it's not contradictory, contrary to scripture to say to an unbeliever that God loves you. Because he does. Right. He doesn't delight in the destruction of the wicked. He delights in his creation. Now, to say that he died for you before they're saved, that's where we get into that's where I would uh, say he, murky waters. Yes. But yes. to say that God loves you, yes. it's not wrong. No, absolutely John 3, not. John 3.16, God, God loved, loved the, the world. world. And that's inclusive of... All if people. you if if you make that the world, or if you are you know reformed and take that as the elect, you can take. But God loved the world. Yes. He gave you know. So we have to understand. And, and John Piper would say like, and I I listened to this the other day. He actually said that he would describe the world as inclusive of all people, but he loved them in such a way that he made a bona fide offer of Jesus to all people. Mm. Like there's a genuine offer of grace, salvation to all people. Um, but then you know we see Matthew five. Uh, he he the father he says love your enemies and you'll be like your father who makes it rain on the righteous and on right. the unrighteous right. so like what we're talking about like common grace how god shows this common grace yeah. in every realm intellectually spiritually physically to all people yeah. regardless of their spiritual condition and that's proof of his love for them now it's not this agape i i i would say there's there would be a, it's a different kind of love yes because as the elect, we are adopted into his family. There is a covenantal love. He has a love. deep fatherly yes, love. Yes, a covenantal love. Right, for those mm-hmm. in his family. Yes. Now, for those outside of his family, he still loves them. Mm-hmm. But it's 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 not as deep. It's not that covenantal love yeah. that he has. The electing the love people adopted. is only for those whom are elected. Right, exactly. 100%. Yeah. Yeah. I think that... Uh, and so we would say it's appropriate to say to an unbeliever that God loves you. Yes, 100%. But and to I, say Christ died for you. I think I think you're getting into murky water there. Yes. If, if to you simply hold... say Christ died for sinners, he paid the debt, the penalty of right. sin. Um, if you hold to limited atonement, yes. that that statement is contrary. Yes. And to, I do to limited atonement. A form of so it. do I. Yeah. <laughs> uh, okay. So right now we want to invite everyone who's tuned in on the Facebook Live to go ahead yeah. and ask your questions. We have two in the queue waiting. Yeah, there's one up there. Yeah, there's two. Um, it's his there. And, and then we're going to be answering any other questions that you guys have. You guys can ask questions, theological questions, biblical questions, Please lifestyle do. questions, yes. book questions, mm-hmm. recommendations, uh, anything that you guys want, we'll be answering here live for the next few minutes. And so yes. we're going to scroll up. We have a question from Miss Nancy. Yeah. What would be a Hi, good first book for learning about solid doctrine? That's a really good question. I think it's really good, very practical for our it listeners. Is. Man, I have there's a there's one book I read in Theology of Sanctification. I can't remember the name of it. It's a good book. Oh, really? Yeah. But we talked about some of the books. Yeah, yeah. So, we did. so what do you recommend? Well, I mean, obviously, you know, like continue reading the scriptures. Um, that's the most. That's that's a good book to read about for, doctrine for your base I think, of doctrine and theology. Yeah. Yeah, I think um, that's uh, I think that's a good one. Yeah, maybe um maybe if you're if you're just uh, in the context of her question, she told me that she grew up Catholic. Uh, she never heard of anyone. Um, not just in the reform faith, um, reform, reform camp, but just anybody um, who taught anything other than Martin Luther. So, like, she grew up with this Catholic background. When she left the church, she got saved. Um, and after she had gotten saved, well, <laughs> you're laughing. No, no. <laughs> oh. After she had gotten saved, um, she didn't know how to study 
doctrine, theology. Um, and so, I mean, I think if you're looking at the scriptures, a great place that the reformers looked was, you know, the book of Romans. That's a great book. Yeah. Yeah. Read through that first. And then I would say books outside of the scriptures. Um, I mean, there's some great systematic theology outside of systematic theology. We're for looking a for something. You could always com- get commentaries. Yes. Commentaries, commentaries are great, especially yeah. on books like Romans or, or Galatians, Philippians, the Corinthians. So like the um, epistles, yeah. you could dive in mm-hmm. to, to a lot of those things using commentaries yeah. and they will help enlighten the scriptures, maybe give you a different perspective. It'll, yes. it'll help you read them in a different way. Mm-hmm. And it'll probably give you some more information that you maybe didn't pull. It'll probably give you some parallels to yeah. other spots in the Bible. Yeah. And that's just like, as you read, right. And it'll release a yeah. lot of information to you that yeah. I think would be really beneficial when studying okay. doctrine and theology. So talking about like books that are comprehensive theologically, but also not complicated. Right. Maybe systematic theologies like like systematic theology. Intro to systematic theology by Wayne Grudem. Wayne Grudem has a good systematic theology. It's easy to read, I'd say. It's easy to read. It's not by any means my favorite. Yes. Uh, Burkhoff has the best systematic theology by Sy- by Burkhoff. Yeah, Louis Burkhoff has the best theological okay. uh, resources. Now they're not easy reads by any means. Burkhoff yeah. was a deep theologian. And so I think that would be yeah. a step up. I think it'd be a tear up. Okay. Um, how about, um, how but about... I, w- I would recommend yeah. Wayne Grudem. I read that in high school. Yeah, me too. So it's not a difficult read, yeah. uh, but it's he, compre- he, it's he gives every viewpoint yes. and then he gives his viewpoint and he defends the other viewpoints. And he does. He defends the other viewpoints them. decently before <laughs> rebuttaling them. I found with him, he often times doesn't, specify uh-huh. what his viewpoint what he holds to yes. and so sometimes you can get a little confused yeah. with what he's trying to say How about, but um, overall yeah it's a great start it's a huge book okay it's a but it's a great starting point one that's probably maybe a little bit smaller but just as comprehensive is um dan atkins uh, a theology for the church yes by dan dan, dan atkins yeah he's he, really good first of all he's the president of my school so i definitely <laughs> recommend dan atkins hope he's listening yeah. uh but yeah great resource knowing god by J.I. Packer. Fantastic Knowing God by J.I. Packer is a beautiful book. Um, Adoption's my favorite chapter. If you want, this will give you some, it won't give you as much doctrine and theology, but it'll give you a lot of application, which do- doctrine and theology is useless without practicality. Absolutely. All your practical, pra- theology, all your practical theology. theology has yeah. to be rooted from good theology. So, yes. Desiring God by John Piper is a, a is a fantastic it's book. Beautiful. It, beautiful. It, it walks through the, what, 10 different, lifestyle like 10 different things yeah the way and, in which a christian hedonist lives right and someone he, who delights he in god defines what christian hedonism is and that's a fantastic book to read yeah um pursuit of holiness by oh, jerry bridges yes that's a fantastic wonderful. book if you want to dive deeper into sanctification yeah and uh, your pursuit of a, of a holy life that's yeah. a fantastic book uh and so yeah what if they're looking for like the reformed like just just a book on institutes of christian religion reform oh by john calvin by john calvin it's the yes. easiest read out of all of Institutes them. Institutes of the Christian Religion by John Calvin is beautiful. Fantastic. It, it is. It, it's Sim- amazing. Simplistic, um, but also comprehensive. Yeah. It's it's not the easiest read depending on what translation you get. Um, <laughs> if you can get a modern day English translation, yeah, yeah. it would be so much easier to read. I had to read the old English version and probably, I think I died 11 times reading mm-hmm. that version. But yeah. if you can get the modern English uh, version, that'll help you dive into some uh, reformed theology. And also, you can dive in. There's there's some really good um, reformed authors out there. Oh, what yeah. are some reformed authors that you um, recommend? Matt Chandler. Oh, man. Matt Chandler is so good. Matt Chandler, The Explicit Gospel. Explicit Gospels. Is probably beautiful. A, one of, outside of the Bible, the most comprehensive view of, of the, the gospel. gospel it's beautiful because, yeah you need to read that whether you read that first or later um it definitely needs to be on your must read list yeah, it is absolutely. beautiful john um, macarthur has a book where he takes all the scriptures you know what it's called i forget the name of it he takes gospel according he, to jesus yes and yes. he takes gospel it and he lines jesus. them up that's a, a, that's just scripture and it's fantastic yes so yeah those are just some quick recommendations yes uh hopefully you caught all of them because there's a lot but authors we recommend john calvin St. Augustine, uh, he has confessions. I mean, confessions, come on. Yeah, beautiful. That's Reformed Theology before Reformed Theology was, <laughs> was Reformed Theology. Yes. Um, <laughs> oh, C.S. Lewis. C.S. Lewis, Mere Christianity. Mere Christianity is beautiful. Be, uh, yeah. The Great Divorce. Great Screw Divorce. Tape Letters. Screw Tape Letters is great. 
you have to understand not necessarily for maybe not beginner theology, theology but, it's, but it's, it gives you a different perspective i'm just getting the books i love oh, so it's beautiful yeah. okay <laughs> so those are some things that we recommend okay spencer, are people still asking their questions yeah spencer had a question guys if okay. you have any more questions feel free to ask them anything lifestyle bible theology god mm -hmm. uh religion uh apologetics evangelizing yeah. anything mm -hmm. we'll answer them but right now this is the last question that we have on the docket and it's from my friend spencer and he said how do you work to balance your own personal biases with the work of the spirit mm. think first corinthians seven twelve, where paul states that the words were his not were, were, his words were his and not his own i'm, mm. I'm assuming his when he's saying like his, yeah yeah he's like talking Paul's. like yeah yeah. So okay, the rest, so let's I, read the verse. Yeah, um, specifically in the context, he's talking about principles for marriage. He says, to the rest I say, and then he puts, he says, I, not the Lord, that if any brother has a wife who is an unbeliever and she consents to live with him, he should not divorce her. Um, and I think specifically, Paul, Paul's not saying that his... Speak up. Oh, okay. Sorry. <laughs> Hello. <laughs> Paul is not saying that his... Um, that his words are not inspired by the Lord, that the Spirit's not carrying him. He, I think he's saying that this is not something he directly received from the Lord. You know what I mean? Okay, so, yeah. Like, not something that Jesus literally told, told him. Told him, right. Yes. It's something that, that the Spirit is still carrying him along as he's writing it. It's still God-inspired and God-breathed, but this is not something specifically from Jesus that he received. Right. Um, but, but this is an interesting question. So he's saying, your own personal biases with the work of the Spirit. Yeah. Huh. That's, that's interesting. Huh. I think... I think in I mean in the context you have to throw your personal biases out the window. Absolutely. Right? I mean, I think you have to. I don't it doesn't matter what your personal biases are. Does he mean like in regards to theology or regards to lifestyle, just regards to anything? Yeah, I mean, it, it, I'm going to take it in the regards to anything. Yeah. And your personal biases don't matter. Absolutely. In yeah. when we're talking about the Bible, when we're talking about the spirit, when we're talking about scripture, if if I'm if if my bias is that if if I want to believe that it's not a trinity, mm -hmm. it's more of a duality type of thing. It doesn't matter. Then you're a heretic. Have, I'm a heretic, and yeah. I, I have to throw <laughs> and you're that. Not safe. I have to throw <laughs> that out the window because the Bible. Yeah. Says that there's trinity. Yeah. So and so I think um, I think, in regards to preaching. Oh wow! In regards to preaching. Okay, so so like I think so maybe teaching like, your own theological biases yeah um, and and there's no doubt that we do have those right we believe that they're biblical and we base them off of scripture um, but at the end of the day they are secondary theological distinctives that we have a preference for that right. aren't necessarily black and white let's just use calvinism that's, as, a, that's a really good let's example. just use calvinism as our example so if i'm in the pulpit teaching mm -hmm. and say i'm going through ephesians 1 i'm going to teach ephesians 1 from the viewpoint of unconditional election mm -hmm. yes chosen in him um, the nation, the world. I'm not gonna. I'm not going to. I'm not gonna. I might not dive into Calvinism and what each point yeah. uh, stands for and things like that. But I'm going to teach it yeah. from the viewpoint of there are an elect group of people. Yeah, yeah. Uh, and I'm going to teach it like it's true because it is. That's yeah. that's the way I interpret Scripture. Yeah. Uh, that's the conviction that's been laid on my heart, and mm -hmm. I'm going to teach it. I'm not going to vary. Now, I I might mention like, hey, there are five you know, different viewpoints, you know, and so feel free to study them yes. on your own or come to me with your questions, but yes. this is what the scriptures say. Mm -hmm. And I, I wouldn't spend uh, an eternal amount of time on it. I wouldn't yeah. uh, waste a ton of time on it, but I would yeah. preach it like it's true because oh, it is true. And I think, I think also it's interesting. He said right here, the work of the spirit and the ministry of the Holy Spirit is all about pointing people to Jesus. That's what the spirit does. He, he, he testifies to the world who Jesus is. And so I think regardless of however you're preaching the scriptures, um, it's always gospel-centered. Right. Um, it always points back to Jesus and his atoning work on the cross um, and his resurrection. It always points back to that. Um, and so like me personally, like I'll just say this. When I teach, I'm a youth pastor, when I teach my kids, um, I just walk through books of the Bible. That way they get all the theology, all the practicality. Um, and I spend time, we, we do one passage a week. Uh, we make that the focus. I teach it exegetically. And if there's multiple views, I go over those. And I do provide my own. Um, but I do encourage them ultimately to read the, scripture for the scriptures for themselves. And I, I'm just going to say this. I don't think you can preach a passage of scripture exegetically and not talk about Jesus. He's all throughout Absolutely. the scriptures. Yeah, there's no yes. question about the that. Gospels if you ever read Preaching by Tim Keller, yes. he expounds on that. Or uh, the supremacy of God. Supremacy of God by preaching Piper. by Piper. Yeah. Yes. So, yeah, I would... I, I'm going to preach my views 
mm-hmm. uh, because my views are directly derived from Scripture. They're not my own. So if I'm teaching yes. unconditional election, yes, that's what I'm teaching, and mm-hmm. I, I'm not gonna I'm not gonna you know use the word unconditional election. Mm-hmm. I might not, uh, but I'm I'm going to give the idea out there, and I'm gonna yes. I'm gonna edify the congregation, and that comes through you know prayer and meditation like if i'm if i know that i'm going to be preaching on ephesians 1 mm-hmm. i'm going to take the time during that week when i'm prepping my sermon i'm going to meditate on the scriptures i'm yeah. going to ask for guidance you know and so there's a lot more that that does play into it mm-hmm. than just um than just kind of getting in getting in the pulpit and mm-hmm. just going at it yeah um but yeah i think that would be the quickest answer to that to yeah. that question. I would say also like not in regards to preaching but in regards regards to personal preferences, like lifestyles and things like that. I think if you are delighting in the Lord, he will conform your heart to his desires. Right. I mean um, Romans 8. Yeah, Romans right. 8, uh Psalm 37:4. If you're delighting in him, he'll always conform you to his desires. Right. Um and so in areas that are gray, you know, or, or areas right. that the Bible's not specifically black and white, um you know, like we can go to Romans 14, you know, um, if you can't do it in faith, it's sin. If right. you can't do it loving God and loving your neighbor, then it's sinful. Right. Uh, guys, before we continue answering this question, just want to say uh, we're on Facebook Live. We're also recording a Bringing Grace to the Nations podcast. If you guys have any questions, uh, feel free to ask them on the Facebook Live. Uh, I would, I invite you guys to. Um, I want to welcome everyone who's watching live right now. Uh, people that are listening to the podcast, we're gonna, I'm going to be live streaming every single podcast from here on out. So if you want to follow the, if you want to follow the podcast, if you want to, um, see the live episodes, yeah. you can follow us, uh, at Grace yeah. Nation Ministries on Facebook yeah. and get our updates there. You can also follow us on Twitter, Twitter. at Grace Nation Men. Yeah. And you can also follow our new YouTube channel, which you can find this video right, at, yeah. um, Grace Nation Ministries. My dad just said, love this. That's, that's awesome. Thanks, Dad. Hey, Dad, do you have a question? Uh, but yeah, so I think Ask a question. I think to, to finish Spencer's question, uh, I'm going to preach my biases from the pulpit mm-hmm. because that's my conviction from the scriptures. Based on scripture. Right. All yes. of my biases, all of my beliefs are yes. what I truly believe mm-hmm. to be conformed to the word of God. Yes. And mm-hmm. as I am sanctified, as I mature in Christ those could change absolutely right i used to be primo we have to be open to that right we have to be open to that yeah and i think being open to that and humbling ourself is the first step for our hearts being conformed to christ because if i'm Mm primo and god's trying to like work (laughs) at me here and like no like this isn't right like work on this and i'm so prideful (laughs) that no just like i'm you know a hard dispensationalist no, like we need to humble our hearts, mm-hmm. and the same thing for Amil and Covenant. Like Absolutely. we need to humble our hearts and be ready um, to conform yeah. and be conformed to Christ. That Romans eight talks about how He's uh, sanctifying us to be conformed to the image of God. Uh, yes. the order order of uh, salvation He predestined those He predestined He called, and those He called He justified, justified those, those He justified, justified He glorified, sanct- He glorified, and then sanctified. Yes. So. Um, yeah, like we have to, we have to know those things. And that's mm-hmm. such a beautiful verse. Romans eight twenty nine and 30. Yeah. Um, are those verses. So yeah. yeah, if we don't have any more questions, guys. Oh, I did get one. Oh, what is it? Someone sent it to me. Okay. Um, they just asked, uh, well, actually it was two questions. Um, one was Are just... they, oh, hold on, hold on. Are they funny questions? No, 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 no. They're not funny Cause questions. Cause you're smiling. They're not funny questions. I promise. I'm All just right. smiling cause I'm a smiling guy. I just love to smile. All right. You won't find them there. <laughs> okay. Well, what is it? Tell me. Um, well, the first one was, um, what is our opinion of tattoos? Oh. That was the first question. I have a tattoo. Yeah. And I'm um, going to get one. Really? Do you have any ideas? Like, what? do you know what you want? Well, I, I want to wait till I get married, personally. This is just a okay. personal thing. Okay. Um, but um, I want to get John 635. Uh, Gia says, I'm the bread of life. Somewhere on me. Probably my arm. Cool. Uh, maybe Hebrew. It yeah. hurts. Yeah. It yeah. Hurts. I hear like the worst right here, right? Yeah. Um, your rib cage probably yeah. is the worst. I but also yeah. want to get like Yahweh in Hebrew and then maybe when I get married, get my uh, wedding ring tattooed okay. on my... That's cool. Yeah. I, yeah. I, I have one on my on my calf. Mm-hmm. Uh, it's Romans one sixteen. I love it. Obviously, if I one, have one t- six. Obviously, <laughs> if I have a tattoo, yeah, I'm gonna be pro tattoos. You say you want tattoos, so you're pro tattoos. Um, the the biggest. So there's a huge <laughs> argument against tattoos in Leviticus. In Leviticus nineteen, uh, where it talks about yeah. 
don't mark your skin with ink or blood. If you can find the verse, it's Leviticus 19. Yeah, um, Leviticus 19, 27. And, and there's a few things I want to contextually say about this, and mm -hmm. I'll go deep into a little bit deeper into this because I've spent some time yes. on this um, because I, I wanted to make sure it was biblical before I got my tattoo. Absolutely. And if we're going to hold to that one verse in Leviticus 19, once Billy finds it here, we, we have to first, we can't just take that one verse and apply it to our life. We have to take all of the Levitical law and apply it to our life. If we're going to use Leviticus as the basis to yeah. not get tattoos, then we have to take the entire Levitical law and apply it to our life. First of all, we know new covenant. We're not, we're not bound to that law yes, anymore. That but law was fulfilled in Christ. It was Christ. fulfilled in Christ. But yes. I'll, I'll still go with the argument here. We have to hold, and I'll just use Leviticus 19 as the example. Mm -hmm. Earlier in Leviticus 19, it talks about how we can't wear clothes of two different mm -hmm. fabrics. So if you're telling me I can't get tattoos based on Leviticus 19, <laughs> then if you're wearing cotton and polyester, I'm sorry. You're, you're sinning. In, you're in sin. Yes. And it also says that you have to let your vegetables, uh, like what? It's like you're, you have to let your vegetables, uh, you have to kill your crops like for yeah. the first two years. It also says you have to bathe a goat in its mother's milk yeah, before like, you eat it. So if you're not doing these things, yeah. then you're in just as much sin as, as I am you for having eat, a tattoo. You can't eat shrimp? No, I don't like shrimp actually, so I can't. Say oh, okay, it. then you're not a sinner. But yeah. but anyway, and then so on top of that, we have to look at the context of what was being written about. They were yes. marking their skin for the purpose of worshiping their mm -hmm. dead and other gods. Yes. It was a distinct pro. It was a distinct issue of of, of idolatry. Yes, like they were worshiping idols mm -hmm. through these markings on their skin. Yes, that's not the case yes. now. Yes. Uh, yeah, and so I, I heard a similar example mm -hmm. with leggings, and it was actually quite interesting. Really? So in the olden times, girls would wear leggings. That would signify that they're a prostitute. And so that's like oh, a yeah, real I've thing. Oh, yeah, I've heard this. I've heard and this, And so yeah. people in the church would ask their members not to wear leggings because mm -hmm. it was a symbol of prostitution. Mm -hmm. It's not a symbol of prostitution anymore. Yeah. So Or like like First Corinthians 11 with head coverings. If a woman had her head shaved, exactly. that meant that she was exactly single and ready to mingle. Right. Yeah. And so... We have, we have to take that kind of in context. And we can even go to the extreme, right? And we can turn to Revelation. And we can see that God has a marking on uh, his thigh. Talking about, about Jesus, uh, Revelation 19, yeah. King of Kings and Lord of Lords. Yeah, he has a on marking his on thigh. his thigh. Like, that, <laughs> that man's tatted up, boy. Like, get ready, because he's coming with a sick tattoo. Yeah. Uh, but no, <laughs> you don't have to say that's a tattoo. I think that that's uh, the, the only other <laughs> argument that I've really heard outside of Leviticus, which is one of the worst arguments mm -hmm. ever that I've ever heard in my life, um, is the that your body's a temple? Oh, and you're spraying graffiti on it. You... Uh, right. Yeah, guys. First Corinthians six. Even though that's about sex. Let's but... read in context. That's Again, about sex. It's about sex. Yes. Uh, let's read in context. Mm -hmm. uh, yes, you. That doesn't mean that you shouldn't take care of your body. Mm -hmm. But my tattoo, I'll, I've evangelized eight or nine times and been able to share the gospel, brought someone to Christ. Yeah. In uh, during my internship Absolutely. in West Virginia, because of it. Yeah. It has glorified God to the yeah. you know, nth degree. And so if my tattoo was just yeah. to bring that one guy to Christ, you know, a few months ago, completely Absolutely. worth it. Yeah. Because I'm not in sin. It's not, it's not against, uh, you know, told against in the Bible. Mm -hmm. And it's glorified God. Yes. And it's use. Yeah. Now, if you're going to, you know, mark your body up with, you know, demonic markings. and if, if Then that would be sinful. Then that would be <laughs> sinful, not because you're marking your body, but because you are worshiping an idol absolutely because of what you're doing absolutely uh you can th that's any sin yes. anytime you sin you are yeah. worshiping an idol that's not god yes so it's not the actual uh it's not the marking of your skin that would be even the sin it yes. would be the purpose behind and your intentions and your motives behind the marking yeah. that would be the sin and so yeah. in short tattoos uh biblically i firmly believe uh, are good um, yeah, I think, um, and I think it's important just really briefly to say, you know, the, the Levitical law was given to Israel, um, you know, to national Israel for the purpose of them being a kingdom of priests so they would become distinct and set apart from the other nations so they'd be holy. Right. Um, so they wouldn't be like the other pagan nations surrounding them. And so, like, that's why we see the dietary laws uh, right. and the ceremonial laws. Uh, we see the sacrificial system, uh, which is, all this is fulfilled in Christ. Right. Um, but in, in regards to the question... How does the law apply to us today? I would say, you know, we're in Christ. We're not under the law of God. Galatians says we're under the law of Christ. Right. Um, and that is the whole of New Testament teachings. Um, 
what Jesus said, what the epistle said, what Paul said. Everything in the New Testament is applicable to us, and we look back on the Old Testament for wisdom. Um, right. And, yeah, and the way in which important. it points to Christ. The New Testament never says that the that the law was abolished. It says it was fulfilled. It was fulfilled in Christ. And so uh, yes. John Piper has this amazing illustration to where the law is like the train tracks. Mm-hmm. It, you know, following the rules yeah. will keep us on the right train track, but we're not going to move unless there's a motor running. Absolutely. And that motor is Jesus. Yeah. And so... If, if we have a motor running, but no tracks to drive on, then we're going nowhere. So we need both, mm-hmm. and it, it directs us in the right path, yes. but it doesn't move us forward. And yeah. if we are trying to fulfill, and if we're trying to obey every little law that there is, we become pharisaical, and yes. we're not moving forward on the tracks. Yes. The only thing that's going to mm-hmm. move us forward is the motor yeah. that's Jesus and And Christ. another purpose of the law was to point us to our need of a Savior, that we couldn't keep it. Yeah. yeah. The point of the law was is that you can't keep is, the law. Is, is, that you can't. It's a guide. It's a guide until you get yeah. to Jesus. So yeah. oh, beautiful. Um, and also, really quick, leggings are not a sin. To wear leggings are. Yeah. yeah, I didn't say that. No, I'm just. I just oh, want to clarify. Okay, okay, I just yeah. want to clarify. It's not not anymore. Want to clarify. <laughs> Again, it's the motives behind it. It's the context right? of the culture. If if, if yes. your motive behind it is to show off your body and to mm-hmm. and to not be modest and to do X, Y, yeah. and Z. Again, that would be the sinful act, yeah. not the actual act of. So context it. of the culture and motives of the heart. Right. Absolutely. That's what makes. I completely agree. Did you have? Was there one more question or no? There was one more. Let's, um, let's do it. Do you want to answer it? Might as it? well, yeah. Okay. Was it alcohol? Uh, no, it was oh, not. Okay, sorry. Do you want to talk about that? No. <laughs> Alcohol's okay as long as you don't get drunk. That's the answer. All right, yeah. what was the next question? Yeah. Be filled with the spirit. <laughs> okay. Don't be under the influence of anything else but the spirit. Um, It was just, they just sent me homosexuality with a question mark. Interesting. That's all they said. Yeah, I mean. I think they're just asking, what is our personal stance on homosexuality I think, I in think regards our to the personal cultural stance issue? on it. Is, is the Bible the Bible stance? Yes. Which is that it's a sin. Yes. Um, it, it, I think Christians in today's culture, especially with all this po- politics and all these things going on, mm. we've lost focus on the problem. The focus isn't attacking non-Christians' sin. First of all, we can't tell a non-Christian to abide by our Christian beliefs mm. if they're not a Christian. Yeah. Like, let's get that understood. Yeah. We can't impose our belief system on someone who doesn't believe it, right? Absolutely. So the first step yeah. is get them to believe it. Share the, the love. Gospel. You have to yes. love them and not condemn them. Yeah. They Christians won't, they won't are their sin so unless they love Jesus. good at condemning. Yeah. And it's so wrong. Like Absolutely. today's church has horrified me at the amount of condemnation that we feel like we can spew mm-hmm. on non-Christians because yeah. of their sin, but we hardly even look at the the you know the plank in our eye hmm. right and we're so focused on the speck Amen to that. you know yeah. in, in, in others eyes instead of saying we're the worst of sinners right like yeah. let, let the one the of let the one who hasn't sinned cast a stone yes right like and we would be the first to drop ours we'd be the first to drop ours yeah. exactly so and bible if you're in the christian faith and you're struggling with something like this mm-hmm. then brothers and sisters in christ can come around you and lovingly yes. correct you and point you Absolutely. in the right direction but if they're not in the faith yeah as christians we are in no position to judge Absolutely. condemn um mm-hmm. or anything like that yeah. our only purpose is to love them and to bring them to a Towards saving Christ. knowledge of yeah. Christ yeah. and to be the best example and reflection Absolutely. and mirror of Christ that we can be. Yeah. And if we're not doing that, if we're too busy spewing our religiosity at them, mm-hmm. we're pushing people away from Christ. Absolutely. We're not yeah. we're definitely not being influenced by the Spirit. And yes. maybe it's time you check your own, you know, yeah. heart and your own salvation mm-hmm. before you start condemning others Absolutely. about theirs. Yeah, and I don't think, and obviously, I don't think it's wrong to tell someone to stop sinning, but only if they only if, if they're they in know the faith. Christ. Yeah, yeah. exactly. Yeah. Jesus told the uh, the um, the woman caught in adultery to go and sin no more, but that was after he had saved her after from he her had judgment. Redeemed her. Yeah, exactly. So, so they will unbelievers will never hate their sin. They will only come to a hatred of their sin and disgust for it when they right. taste the sweetness of Jesus. Absolutely. Until they until they taste Jesus and see his sweetness and experience that, until they taste and see that he is good, they will not hate their sin. Right. They will not see their sin as disgusting and for what it is. Um, I will say, though, um, and this is such a big question for me because um, I had... Um, because when I did ministry in high school, I, I had this question a lot, you know, because it became a really big political issue right. in our day. And we were right. in high school. Um, and a year ago, I actually had two roommates who struggled with same-sex attraction, but were believers in Christ who had formally adopted that lifestyle, um, but then they came to the faith, they repented, right. and now they're seeking the Lord. And one of them would still say to me that, that he still isn't attracted to women. 
Right. And he told uh, and me, he's honest I mean, with me. He's w- honest with when me. When we're in Christ, it's we're going to struggle with sin. It's yes. a thing. Yes. Um, but conformity to his image is a slow process. But, be, but being repentant and having yeah. a repentant heart and a repentant spirit, a Godly contrite sorrow. heart. Yeah. You know, praying that God would make us as clean as so that snow, that he would, mm-hmm. you know, cleanse us with hyssop, that he would create in us a clean heart. Mm. You know, doing those things, um, that's what God is pleased with. Absolutely. And then he'll be pleased with us and our prayers and he'll listen. Yeah. You know, so we yeah. can go on. And, and also on. homosexuality, I would just really quickly say, is no worse a sin. Than any, they're all punishable with every sin and hell. is every punish, punishable, punishable by, by hell by hell there are um, different degrees of severity to sins you know there are like Pontius Pilate you know, Jesus said to him he who betrayed me committed the greater sin so there are different degrees of severity when it comes to sin but there are but but every sin is punishable by right. hell yeah yeah no, it's true so and so love them towards Jesus um, just, just love people man just yes. love people no matter their their you know Gender. Now that there's 400 different genders, no matter just love <laughs> sexual people, orientation, no, no matter what it is, and bring them to Christ. Yes, mirror Christ to them, and let's stop being so politically mm-hmm. inclined to debate every single person who's not a Democrat like we are, or who's not a Republican like we are. Yeah, I'm uh, neither. Okay, I don't well, think Jesus is either. <laughs> I don't think Jesus would. <laughs> he wouldn't fit in any no. political category. So, so let's take a step back. Let's love people. And let's put aside our political belief systems that yeah. probably aren't that biblical, but we can save that for another podcast <laughs> yeah. coming up in season two. Thank you so much, everyone who tuned in on the Facebook Live. We had uh, a lot of people tune in, so that was really cool. Guys, Any more questions, or is that it? No, we're gonna we're gonna end it there. We've been going okay. for quite a while. Uh, if if you uh, haven't followed us on Twitter, please do it at Grace Nation Men. We have mm-hmm. we're about to hit a thousand followers, so that's awesome. Uh, Are you if, prophesying right now? I'm excited. Like we're gonna hit a thousand <laughs> followers. Uh, yeah. If you if you uh, want to listen to our podcast and you're new to the Facebook Live and you, you haven't followed us, please follow us on iTunes or on Podbean. We have a lot of resources uh, there. And um, until next time, are we? It's kind of sad to end it. I mean, I mean, I'll be back. You will. You I will, will be a guest at some point. You will. You yeah, will, I promise. Well, guys, thank you for listening. Make sure you follow us. Find us on Facebook, find us on iTunes, find us on Twitter. Email me your questions. I love you, Victor. I love you too, Billy. Until next time, take Take care and God bless. And that's the show. Thanks for listening. The BGN Podcast comes out every week. Questions? Email us at gracenationministries at yahoo.com or tweet us at gracenationmin. Until next time, take care and God bless.